There's no business like show business, like no business I know. From the beautifully restored Brownwood Lyric Theater and revitalized downtown Brownwood, it's waxing lyrically. I am not an animal! I am a human being! The podcast devoted to and hosted by our own Lyric Theater players. Anything you could do, I could do better. I can do anything better than you. No, you can't. Yes, I can. Now, here are your co-hosts for tonight's show, Jill Underwood and Karen Myers. Let's go! Well, welcome, Karen. Thank you for having me here tonight. You're welcome. So this will be the third Waxing Lyrically, and it's a little bit different than the first two because we're going to be interviewing each other. That's going to be the fun part because are we going to run out of things to talk about? I doubt it. (laughs) How many times have we eaten lunch and we've talked for hours? I know, I know. So I think we can do this. Okay, so I'm going to start first. Okay. What was your first lyric production that you were a part of? It was Beverly Hillbillies, and I was the femme fatale. I remember that. The country Kate. Yeah. I was eight months pregnant. I know. And really, you couldn't tell until the very end. Until the very like, end. I think the last show. Last show, and the third act of every evening, I was just tired of sucking in. <laughs> You really can tell. And then we're just blessed with Mr. Pearson now. I know. Yeah. yeah. And he was with us in my next show, which was A Few Good Men, where I had a whopping one line. Yeah. Well, I had a whopping two lines. <laughs> two so, lines yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Beverly Hillbillies was your first lyric production. Had yes. you seen some lyric productions before you I auditioned? Had. Yes. I had seen um, Elephant Man, Steel Magnolias. The Christmas bells one where you were pulled across the stage in a wagon. <laughs> that was so fun. That was so fun. <laughs> so yeah, we'd been to see uh, several of them. And I was just like, I wonder if I could do it. I wonder if I could do it. And then I finally remembered to write down when audition dates were. And I was like, <laughs> okay, yeah, we'll go do this. We'll go do this. Uh, and, and Ryan was like, what if you get cast? I said, first of all, no one's going to cast a six month pregnant and then the day of auditions it was 19 degrees was the high so I wore my overcoat the whole time and never took it off and then I had to call Larry two days after he posted the cast list and I was like you might want to rethink this (laughs) because I'm six months pregnant (laughs) and by the time the show's here I'll be eight months pregnant but um it all worked out really really well and it was a great first show and prior to that I had no theater or community theater experience aside from church Okay, so you didn't, like, I know you went to Howard Payne, so you, mm-hmm. you weren't involved in any of the plays or any of the um, productions at Howard Payne? No, I, I took intro to theater as an elective class, and I had, to, I had to do something in that class, but, I mean, that was it. And in high school, no? No. You did Beverly Hillbillies and then A Few Good Men, then what was your next? 
Crimes of the Heart, and I was the sister Meg. Mm-hmm. So I was the smoking, drinking, cussing. And really, <laughs> how was that? <laughs> well, um, most of that doesn't reflect who I am. However, the sister dynamic was very, very much how I identify with my sibling set. Um, Kesha was my little sister, babe. And then Brittany Martin was my big sister, Lenny. Okay. And everybody loves babe because she's the baby. So it was really just me and Lenny, my character and Lenny's character, um, that were supposed to be at odds with each other. And I just, that was kind of my sibling set growing up. We um, were just not a lot alike. And so it's it's not until the end when Babe learns to love herself and love who she is and really embrace that, that the rest of her relationships come together. And so, um, and that, that's kind of true of real life. The older we get, the more we learn to just embrace who we are. And then that kind of, once we learn to love ourselves, it fixes a lot of other things yeah. around so, us. So you pulled a lot of real life into that character. Oh yeah, especially the scene where we have a, a, had a great big fight going on. Like I was like, oh, we've had that before. I've done that before. <laughs> so yeah, that that one was a really a really fun one because I got to get to pull on pull on actual real life experiences. Yeah. yeah. Thank you, sister. Yeah. Thank you, sister, for many years for, of for helping me get into this character. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay. So after Crimes of the Heart, what did you do next? Oh, I think it took a break until Gilligan's Island, and that was my first musical. Okay, so are you more of a Marianne or a Ginger? I am really, it was typecasting. I think was every it? time I, I, I work with Larry, it's typecasting. <laughs> um, very much like, yeah, and, and so it was a lot of fun getting to be a, a very dingy country bumpkin because I just identify with that a lot. <laughs> you got to wear shorts, and you didn't oh. have to wear as a... Yeah, but, slinky. <laughs> but shorts in January. <laughs> that well, was pretty awful. Hey, except on the stage, it was probably kind of nice because you probably didn't get very hot. I didn't get very hot, which was nice. Yeah, mm-hmm. there wasn't a whole lot of uh, uncomfortable in my costume moments. Yeah. But um, yeah, it was my first getting to sing. And I remember going to audition and Eric was like, can you sing? I said, I don't know. Can I? <laughs> <laughs> oh, for a musical, can you sing? I don't know. That's kind of a scary thing. <laughs> so um, thank you, Dean Kiesling, for teaching me how to sing. <laughs> you did wonderful. Okay, the aliens were a little out there. Yeah. But other than that, it was it was really good. But I mean, really, if they had a radio and like nobody's clothes wore out. So how many years were they supposed to be like gone missing from this three hour tour? It was so? it was really <laughs> to, you know, disbelief everything that happened. Because, I know. And they ate coconut a lot. A lot. Yeah, they did. Uh-uh. Yeah. We're kind of doing one a year that's like a TV show that people can relate to yes. growing up. <laughs> so you did Beverly Hillbillies and you did Gilligan's Island. Okay, so the next show after that one was oh gosh the christmas one the, it's a wonderful life it's a wonderful life so there's just i mean not it's not even been a year ago yeah that was fun that was a lot of fun um because it didn't actually have to memorize my script. I had my little crutch there the whole time. Yeah, but we probably had it memorized by the last show. We probably had it memorized <laughs> anyway. But it was it was just a lot of fun to like give the audience something a, a new perspective on what acting can look like with theater or, or radio getting to see how how those sound effects are actually made yeah, that was cool that was a lot of fun and so I I remember a lot of people saying it wasn't what I expected but I enjoyed it and yeah was, trying to explain it to people what it was it was like you're sitting and watching a radio show but we're acting but it was hard to explain to people because to get into your character you do have to act even if nobody is watching but you know back in the 40s they would have still had a, a small audience yeah. for at least re- reaction applause or yes. something yeah so it was it was still neat to get to do that and then to see, uh, what did they have? The sound effect, the theater sound effects Bible or something. Yeah, <laughs> that was kind of fun that to watch them fun. do that. Yes. So which out of all the parts that you played in the lyric was the hardest one to get into the role? Hardest one to get into. 
It was probably Mary Hatch because she is a very reserved character. She's solid, steady Eddie throughout the whole relationship. And she's um, she's just more conservative with her feelings. Whereas George Bailey is the, I'm out there and I'm passionate and this is how I feel about things. And so in real life, I'm more of a George Bailey. So to have to rein that in. Yeah, you're not very introverted, are you? No, I'm not, not very introverted. No, no, no. <laughs> so so it, was, it was a challenging character to get to play. She was fun nonetheless because she did have her moments of passions during the flashback scene. Mm-hmm. Or flash, anyway, where he goes back to what life would have been like without him. Yes, without him, and so because um, you get you get kind of mad at him because he's kind of stalking, stalking you, me, and, and, I don't and you don't know who he is, and he's yeah. telling me we have kids. And, I know you took that really good. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> now look, Mary Hatch, you, you live on Reed Street. It's a white Victorian house. Your bedroom's at the top of the stairs. You turn to the left. You have an older brother named Marty, and you live with your mother Edwina. How do you know all this? What are you, some crazy man? Stop it, I'm leaving. Don't you know me, Mary? Now look, just let me touch Get your her. your hands off me, I'll call The, the house you wish for, don't you remember? I told you, I don't know you. Don't let you me know go. me? You I'm must know me, Mary. Now it's yours, don't let you know me? me? Mary, please, don't do this to me. Please, Mary. Now where are our kids? What? I need you, Mary. Please, help Get me, Mary. Get away from me, help. Mary, it's George. Please, please Mary, help. you're my wife. <laughs> So I got to embrace a little bit of me in that character at that moment. But for the most part, she was probably my hardest one because I have to convey all of that emotion, but do it in such a understated way. So was Marianne your easiest role to get into character? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Marianne or uh, Meg from Crimes of the Heart. Those were both easy and fun because Meg was kind of my antithesis. So she was like a, a mask I got to put on almost. Mm-hmm. And that was fun. Um, I'm like, I'm not really this smoking, drinking, cussing. And it's always fun when people are like, I'm coming to see you in your show. And I'm like, oh, this is really not me. I've had roles like that too. Yeah. People are like, really? Wow. Okay. It's, it, I promise you it's sweet tea. I promise you it's sweet tea in <laughs> yeah, that bottle. Sure. No, yeah, yeah. We can't have alcohol on the stage. No, we can't have and, and that's okay with me. But those fake cigarettes, you could really tell I had no clue what I was doing. <laughs> me and odd couple. Yes. I'm like, I never smoked before in my life. I don't know what to do with this. Awkward. But it was a lot of fun. Yeah. How has life been handling two kids who are now going into second grade and Pearson is three, Mm -hmm. balancing all that and you know the long hours we have and everything. So how has that been with family? Well, I mean, we just, we make some small adjustments and really honestly, the kids love being up there. Um, Probably the scariest part was when Pearson fell into the lagoon during Gilligan's (laughs) Island. (laughs) Golly, (laughs) and he probably bounced right back up, and he did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, That was the scariest part for me. Um, But they they love being up there. They love watching, and I, you know, I take them snacks or dinner or whatever. We just it's part of life, so it's not really anything um, new or different or scary. We well for Pearson, it wasn't because he was kind of born. (laughs) Yeah, he he was born doing yeah. (laughs) He's been on stage since before he was born. Before he was born. And, and Charlotte loves it. She is kind of a, a social introvert. She loves to be around people so she can watch them. And so uh, so she would have a, a lot of... So in Beverly Hillbillies, she had a lot of Matthew McNeese's lines memorized. Because <laughs> his were so good <laughs> that you want a four-year-old, five-year-old to say. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, she's still... Like, every once in a while, will come up and say, Mama, don't go running off with the pork chops now. 
like, okay. Okay. No, right. she was very well behaved in all the rehearsals and stuff. Yeah. Right. And so, so for us, it's not, it's not a big deal. Charlotte has ballet. Pearson's going to be doing soccer. So each of us in our family has our extracurricular. So theater is mama. So how does Ryan, how's he with all this? He is the logical, stable one in, in our relationship. And so whenever I've said yes to something new, he goes, now remember how stressed you get. Remember all the extra. I'm like, yes, I know. I'm aware of that. But it's worth it in the end. But it's worth it in the end because I get to try on a new character and I get to convey to somebody else in the audience this character's emotions, their life, their thought process, just all that, Mm -hmm. that you, that you would get if you went to see a movie or anybody else, but I get to be the one to do it. So it feels kind of special. Yeah. And so he's always proud of me at the end, but you know, six (laughs) to eight weeks prior, he's like, you know, this was probably a bad idea. (laughs) (laughs) I get that too. And that's why he does. So does Ryan have any inkling intentions to want to get on the stage? Um, Mm. about <laughs> about a year and a half ago at our church play our judas got a concussion and so Ooh, so we had to step in so so i um strong-armed ryan into stepping in and his entire line was jesus and then he had to give the dude a kiss on the cheek and walk off that was it and how did you <laughs> stellar stellar he's so got that deep voice does he does he want to get on the lyric stage no he has zero desire i'm so like he, but we need men and he goes no he could get involved in the building he could get involved. I have a I very mean, handy husband. And I mean, I know when we tore down the set for It's a Wonderful Life, he was in there helping yes. tear down stuff, which is, we need that too. He's so. very handy with a drill gun. Yeah. So Paul and I found all these things and I made him save this for me. Oh. It is for community theater. 20 problems only community theater actors understand. Mm-hmm. Okay. So when you go out in public looking like a hooker because you're still wearing show makeup, has that happened to you? Yes. <laughs> yeah. I, it was at Whataburger too. <laughs> <laughs> After a show, it's 1130. There's not a whole lot of people. It's okay. No, no, okay. No. Here's another one. Getting out of rehearsal so late and still having to go to work or to school the next morning. Yo. Yes. Oh. Mm-hmm. Been there, done that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. There is never enough guys to fill the required male roles. Oh. That is lyric to T. To the T. Except for Get Smart. We had we, so many new men audition for but that one. St- but we still have Val playing Mr. Big. So go I know. figure. Okay. Oh, gosh. Um, being cast as a romantic lead opposite someone half or twice your age. Or the same gender as you. <laughs> That's true. Yes, and Gilligan. Because yeah, Castro was Gilligan. Gilligan. <laughs> yes, I forgot that. Yes. Mic tape that doesn't stick until you have to take it off. Oh, gosh. And then it sticks in your hair. Yes. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. You've had the most exhausting work week, and you have to spend your entire weekend building or striking the set. Building or striking, or tech weekend. Tech, yes. Tech weekend oh, is, gosh. yeah. Um, when your friends and family think you're dead, or have joined a cult because they never see you anymore. <laughs> yeah, I've had that. I've had people, we never see you, are you? Come to the show, and you can see me. I know. Yeah. After the last weekend, you'll see me a lot. <laughs> you get covered in glitter while helping with costumes and set. I've not had that. I mean, I don't think I've been in a show that's had glitter. No, hairspray. Hairspray. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've had hairspray. Yes. When all your costumes come from your closet, I am guilty of that. (laughs) All my clothes from Odd Couple were from my closet. (laughs) The only thing I had to buy were the white go-go boots. That's impressive. Yeah. They're in my closet. So if anybody ever needs go-go boots, I have go-go boots. What's your size? A nine. Oh, okay. So if you need go-go boots, I got go-go boots. That's the only thing I had to buy. Everything else came from my closet. It's kind of scary. 
There's always one girl or guy who gets the best role in the, every show, and while he or she is undeniably talented, she is an insufferable diva. I don't think we have that. I don't think we have insufferable divas. No. I don't think so. No. When you're halfway through a number and you feel your mic slipping, stage mishaps. Have you had any stage mishaps in your shows? Um, yes. What? Yes. Oh, spill the beans. Well, I mean, usually it's something with the mic, like... The, the the mic starts popping or crackling or something or um so have you ever missed a cue or forgot to bring something on or said something wrong i am sure i have what i have forgotten to do was cover for someone who missed a line in gilligan's island val was supposed to go marianne marianne and call me off stage and once or twice she forgot and i thought oh i need i need to figure out a way to cover for her and i thought of it and then the next time when she did forget the same line what'd you say Nothing, because I forgot to cover. <laughs> you always think, I should have done that. I should have done that. I know. <laughs> Your dressing room is a broom closet or a church basement. Oh. Um, you didn't get to experience Mm-mm. the lyrics dressing room before they are now. Not a I broom closet, but... Mm-hmm. The basement. I did have to change across the alley in the place. Oh, yes. And, uh, 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 mm-hmm. It's right next to where we keep all this stage yes. stuff, whatever yes, it's called. Yes, it was for Beverly Hillbillies. We had to do mm-hmm. that because they were working on the new They were, rooms. so we we could look yes. forward to that, but it was still... Um, and, but then we all had to hang out in the basement under the stage uh-huh. with all the costumes and all the other stuff, yeah. But hey, that's okay. Memory building. <laughs> it's memory building. There's only one mirror and 20 girls trying to use it at the same time. We don't have that problem anymore. We kind of did. At or one, they, mm-hmm. they were sitting on the floor and they were kind of the old, the cheapy Walmart mirrors that were warped <laughs> and you're like, oh, they really look quite right but i hope that blush is in the right spot (laughs) yeah when the show budget is a hundred (laughs) dollars and they're done that (laughs) when you're trying to take a prop off stage with you but people are loitering in the wings Mm. no that never (laughs) that never happens because there's so much space on either side one side is really tight one side is really super tight the other side's not too bad if there's not a lot of furniture stuff Mm-hmm. Okay, trying to practice choreography on your lunch hour during your day job, <laughs> or, or practicing your lo- your songs. Oh, your songs! And I still sing Mary Ann's "How Do You Know You're in Love," and the kids are mm-hmm. like, "Mom, what was that from?" Yeah. Okay, when you're also part of the crew and have more job titles than time, double duties while you're also trying to remember your lines. Um, you were the stage manager for It's a Wonderful Life, yes. and you played the piano, and you were the radio girl. I didn't really didn't do a whole lot on the stage, but yes, I was stage manager, so I was. Stephen Haynes was, get on the stage now. <laughs> get out there. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so, okay, two more. You ready? Being mm-hmm. in community theater is your second job that you love. That takes up all of your time, but makes you no money. Makes zero money, but I love it. But I love it. You, I, I would do it again. I mean, and again, and again, and again. And working with child actors, you don't quite get the seriousness of all this. Um, you haven't really worked with kid act, except well, for It's a Wonderful Life. Yeah. But no, I did Annie with lots of little girls. Oh, boy. <laughs> um, they're fun, but it puts a whole other spin on everything. Oh, yeah. Little kids, when you have to deal with little kids. So anyway, but the thing I love about community theater, it's a family. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of been the theme, especially with Matthews and, um, and Val's show. It's a family. And I've gotten to know people that I don't think I would ever cross paths with out in the community. Yeah. Except for... You know, we're all at the Lyric and we love it and we'll, we're working our tails off trying to get roles and things up and whatever. So that's what I kind of like about it. I mean, I don't think I'd ever met you. No. No. And it's just wonderful, like how in, enmeshed in a good way you get in other people's lives that you wouldn't ordinarily have oh, met. Oh, I know. Yeah. 
And I love that Larry always says, like close to the end of a run, how like this is never going to happen again. This group of people and this show is never going to happen exactly like this ever again. So mm-hmm. just kind of treasure this moment. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, okay, that. I have fun backstage kind of more than I do on stage. And I love being on stage and I love performing <laughs> and I love doing all that stuff. But sometimes backstage stuff is just so much fun. Oh, yeah. Uh, A Few Good Men was one of my favorite shows because I had one line, <laughs> one line. We, I told Paul, I was like, I can't find my script. Oh, that's right. We got it photocopied and we didn't need them for very long. <laughs> I think our lines are on the clipboards that we were holding. <laughs> but the rest of the time, I got to observe. I got to watch people who know what they're doing in theater, people who didn't know what they were doing in theater. I just got to sit back and see how all of it ran because I had no, I had no clue what I was doing. Yeah. And so that was, that was probably my favorite show for me personally growing mm-hmm. in theater acting ish. Yeah. But, um, it was also fun because m- most of the acting that I did on my f- tip five minutes on stage was with my face. So, <laughs> cause we were, we were lieutenants or captains. We were, yes. we were lawyers and then yes. we were the military guys mm-hmm. on the, <laughs> Guantanamo Bay wall. I still make Paul say that every now and then. <laughs> <laughs> Guantanamo. You <laughs> can't say it. Well, I am so glad you're part of the lyric. And I hope we can continue to do shows in the future together. Yes. So now I guess the tables are turned, huh? Oh, yeah. Tables are turned. All right. Okay. <laughs> so you have been in how many lyric productions? I don't know. I haven't counted. I think 13 or 14. Because like, you've been in since the beginning, correct? Yes, I was actually on the board when we first started. Mm. Um, But I kind of got off the board because it was a little too hard to handle teenage children, you know, middle school, I mean, like preteens and teenage children and athletics and all that stuff and whatever. So and when you were finding your theater bug, so was Meredith? Didn't yes, she also get kind bit of, by the bug a little bit? Kind of, yes. Okay. Um, actually, in elementary school, when I was like in kindergarten, <laughs> we did a Christmas play. I was the cow. <laughs> and I got to sing over, you know, the, the, the I said the beast, all you know, yes. the friendly beast. Mm-hmm. I was the cow. And my lines were, I said the cow all white and red. I gave him my manager for his bed. I gave him my hate of Hilla's head. I said the cow all white and red. That was my first acting job. I was I'm like, impressed. In, you still know your lines. I know. That's kind of scary. <laughs> um, I was either four or five. Hey. So yeah. So then in high school, I did some acting stuff too. I did a melodrama, and then um, my senior year, our acting, te- our drama teacher left, and so <gasps> we got a Baylor theater Ooh. major to come, and so we did um, a readers theater, and it was called This Is a Real Speaking. It was kind of like the radio show. We had the script with us, yeah. but we had to pantomime everything. Oh. So I was the mom, and so I had to pantomime, and I had to remember in my mind where the cabinets were, and the table was, and the counter was, and the sink was, and oh wow, it was really hard. And then in college, didn't do anything. But how I got involved in the lyric, I found this. Oh, yes. <laughs> I was digging for stuff. I found the first playbill that I was in. That's awesome. From 2004. Hey, that's great. <laughs> so the girls were like, had finished second, third grade and fourth grade. And the lyric built it as the summer kids series. Okay. They were doing kids shows all summer long. And so it wasn't, I don't think it was clear enough. And my girls thought, and a lot of kids thought they could be in it. Oh. So I took them to auditions because they were just finished third grade and fourth grade. Mm-hmm. And I auditioned too. <laughs> and I got cast as Princess Lucille and Junie B. Jones. So I got to play a five-year-old. <laughs> I was not quite 40 yet. <laughs> so I played a five-year-old. It was really a lot of fun. And I was looking at it. Jill Evans was in it with me. Oh, my goodness. Um, Stephanie Brownlee. Eric Evans was the principal and daddy. We had a real life slide on the stage and we got to slide down. It was the uh, coolest yes. thing. So that was my first lyric show. And then I didn't really do any more until 
Meredith in eighth grade decided she wanted to audition for A Sound of Music. That's right. When Jennifer Reeves played Maria and, mm-hmm. and all that stuff. And um, she decided athletics was not for her. And so she auditioned. So I took her to the auditions and she sat there and she auditioned. She was the maid and she had one line. Perfect. And she was hooked. And so it's all it takes. It's all it takes. <laughs> and um, the next summer they were doing Fiddle on the Roof. And Ooh. so we thought we'd all do it together. So Paul was in it and I was like in the course and stuff. And that was kind of fun with Meredith. Sarah stayed at home. The next year, I was cast as Miss Hannigan and Annie. Yes. Oh, that was yes, that was so, was so much fun. <laughs> Which it that was if you talk about tough roles, that was a tough role because I couldn't play her drunk, so I had to play her mean. Ooh. And you know me, I'm not mean. Mm-mm. And every or I was like, Jill, you got to get meaner. You got to get meaner. You got to get meaner. I was like, I can't get mean. I can't get mean. I can't. Get mean. I finally, I think, I finally got there, and. I was so mean. All the little kids in the audience were scared of me. They would not come talk to me after the show. Well, I mean, that means you did your role. I did my role. Except all the little girls on stage were not scared of me. (laughs) No. Caroline Welker, who, she's what, a junior now? Yes. She was five. Okay. So this was 10 years ago. She was, I guess she must be 15 or whatever. She was mm-hmm. five. She was a little girl I had to shake my fist at and I have to pull out of the laundry hamper and all this stuff. And I'm like, <laughs> I have a picture of me, me shaking my fist at her. <laughs> and you can't see her face, but she is grinning from ear to ear. <laughs> and so backstage, all the little girls were hanging all over me, yet all the ones out in the audience wouldn't talk to me because I was so mean. That just means that the ones on stage know you well. Yes. And you did your part well. Go away. (laughs) No, uh, no, but they weren't scared of me, but everybody else was. So what was your favorite lyric production to be part of? Sometimes not the lines and not the things in the actual play, but the things that happen around it. Um, MASH, I think Mm. that I have the the fondest memories of. Um, Did you see MASH? Is that the one where you guys were running from tent to tent? Yes. yes. <laughs> yeah. So we built the swamp. I mean, it's the, the TV show MASH. We built the swamp, the, you know, the doctors, Trapper John and, you know, Hawkeye. And all. So mm-hmm. we built their tent and then we built the nurse's tent. I was one of the nurses. And then over in one of the Juliet's, one of the little side things was the cook's thing. And then some of the other Juliet's were like, you know, the, the mm-hmm. commander's office and stuff like that. So Larry decided, and Larry... Not a typical director in a way. He has these ideas. He decided, and he told us like the week before we opened, okay, so in the 30 minutes when the audience are coming in, I'm going to divide you all into thirds, and each one of you are going to be assigned 10 minutes to go out there pre-show and kind of act. And we're like, what? Really? No. And he divided us up in like, I think I was in the middle 10 minutes or something. I'm like, okay. And we did that at intermission too. He wanted it to be camp life. I'm like, okay, that's kind of weird. We don't have the normal... Um, Hiding from the audience. Hiding that, from the audience. No, we were totally curtain. out there. So we did it the first show. And then the second show, we kind of stayed out there a little bit longer. And by the end of the run, we had these backstories. <laughs> and we had, you know, like Tori Chet was one of the nurses. And she was flirting with all the doctors. <laughs> and she was running in and out of everybody's tent. And, you know, Hot Lips was with Frank. And then um, Trapper John was... Um, I had to dance with him in the party scene and stuff like mm-hmm. that. So we started having a little thing. It was so much fun because by the end of the run, by the end of the two weeks, none of us 
did our own 10 minutes. We were out there the whole entire 30 minutes before the show started. And the entire intermission, we were out there acting and doing and like Camp Laugh was going on. So and what stuff. started as something that felt very off the wall, very yeah. untraditional theater became something really fun and probably one of your favorite parts of oh, the yeah, show. That's what made it so much fun. And we would put things on the, the stage. Like we put our pictures in the, in the doctor's tent. And then we, we won, I think it was the second weekend, we looked in our nurse's tent and we had Trapper John and we had, Hawk, we had their photos. <laughs> and so they were up in our tent and stuff. And it, it was just, that was so much fun. I really wish we'd have thought of that in our huts for Gilligan's Island. Yeah, because it because <laughs> and people would try to talk to us, but we'd go and Paul was the cook, and so we'd go in there and he'd make us um, he'd make us sandwiches with spam. We actually had spam <laughs> sandwiches, I'm and sorry. he'd make coffee, and and we'd just go look at magazines, and we I mean, and just kind of ignore the audience and like camp life. So <laughs> sorry. <laughs> What is he? Pearson is saying, leave the door open. <laughs> the rule at home is they don't get to play in bedrooms with doors shut ah. because invariably one child is trying to smother the other. Yes. So so he wants to know what we're doing. Yeah, he wants to know. <laughs> He'll be okay. I'll He'll be okay. He yeah, he's there. there are two adults and a big sister out there. Okay, so what was... So we talked about your most favorite play. What was your most favorite or most memorable role? Um, it had to have been Clary Belcher in Still Magnolias. What was great about getting to do that? Well, I ha she was like 65 or 70, so older than I was. I love that movie, and it was just so funny and so sad and so impactful, and I got to do it twice. Um, we did it early on in the Brownwood High School stage, and then we reprised it again, the same five actors on the lyric stage, and doing it on the lyric stage was more intimate because the high school stage is just so huge. Yes. Unlike the movie, unlike the movie, you're in Truvy's uh, beauty salon, but you're in the, the house and you're mm -hmm. in the hospital and you're in the, the wedding and stuff like that. The entire play takes place in Truvy's beauty garage shop. beauty shop. And the high school stage was just so huge and we didn't feel like we were close. But once we moved it to the Lyric, it was so much better. And plus, it was our second go round of all the same characters again. So okay. that was... So everybody got to learn everybody a little bit better. Yes. And have the actual intimate setting. Yes. And playing Clary, I got some wonderful lines out of there. So <laughs> I love you more than my luggage. <laughs> Is it purple or aubergine? No, it's it's pink and blush. Oh, pink yes. Pink and blush. Blush, <laughs> yes. Okay, so. so what was your most difficult production? Difficult production. Maybe the hardest role you played or the hardest production to be in? Uh, the, the role, the hardest role was being Miss Hannigan, trying to okay. be as mean as I was supposed to be. Yeah. Um, another one that was kind of, it took me a little while was Christmas Bells. <laughs> I didn't have very many lines in that one. Um, I played a, she was kind of mean too. She was ugly. Yes. She was ugly to other people because she thought she was better than everybody else. And then somebody, I have a headache. And so somebody hands me, I think aspirin and they turn out to be, painkillers for a yes. kidney stone and so then I come back and I have to do my little Christmas soliloquy and then I start singing and then I have to be drunk and then yeah that and you're was, wearing like four inch stilettos yes the whole I was time. wearing four inch stilettos yes um and what was funny about that is I knew exactly what I, I was not drunk what I was taking were licorice juice oh. oh they were nasty mm -mm. And ben and everybody was 
delighting and giving me nasty candy things. Yes. What's wrong with the plain Tic Tac people? No, it was not plain Tic Tac. <laughs> it was like licorice stuff. Ugh, that was gross. But I had to walk out on the stage and I had to act like I was about to fall off. Mm-hmm. And my father-in-law was there and I went, heard him go, oh, Jill. <laughs> I knew exactly where I was. I was going to fall off. But that was kind of fun too, because it was like you're smoking and drinking whatever. Yeah. It's not like me. This is and, not me at all. And I had some of my students, because um, I teach a fine arts methods class mm. at Howard Payne, how to incorporate the fine arts into regular classrooms. And so I get them, I make them an act and do stuff. So I was telling me I'm in this Christmas play and I'm not anything. I mean, it's totally against what I'm normally like. And so I had about four or five of them come and they were rolling. They were, <laughs> that was so funny. Because it was not like me at all. It was really fun. That was, that was kind of challenging. Um, I think It's a Wonderful Life was hard, not because on stage what I had to do. I mean, I was just singing the jingles and I played the piano, which I've played since I was five. So that's no big deal. But it was being the stage manager and mm. having to balance. But I knew I could do it because we were all on stage and nothing had to come on or off when we were on stage. Yes. And then intermission, we were all off stage. So I just had to make sure everything was set at intermission. I had to everything was set at the beginning of the play and then get everybody on. But once we were on... I didn't have to worry. Sure, that Sam Harvey didn't drink all the eggnog. That's true. That was hard. It was like two glasses. That's it. That kid (laughs) loves his eggnog. I need all the cookies. (laughs) Yeah. So that was hard because I just had to make sure everything was set before I could go on. And that was a new role for you. You had never stage managed. I hadn't in a while. No, I'd never stage managed. Okay. Um, I worked with Billy, and she was a lot of fun. But I knew it wasn't going to be as hard as if it was in another play where I have to work make sure set pieces are on and, and people are on and off. I mean, that that was, I think that was the easiest stage managing thing to start with. Yes. So, and it was, I got to boss people around. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. And, and I, I love that in the lyric, it feels that we all take care of each other. Like you've said before, because people were coming and helping clean up and, Oh yeah. A lot of people were like washing, washing glasses, with washing you. punch glasses and the punch bowl and stuff. And I, I still would find stuff like, Oh, that one, where did that one hide? You know, but people were always willing to help me wash everything up to get set again. Cause yeah, I mean, that's the stage manager's role is to clean everything up and get ready to go for the next show, mm-hmm. you know, to get the set ready. I mean, the food, obviously not until the next day or to the next show, but everybody was willing to help me wash up and, and restack stuff. Because we're a family. We are a family and we watch out for each other. I mean, I even do that when I'm not the stage manager. I'm like, what can I do? You yes. Know? And that's just, that's just handy because you know that if it were you in that role, you would want someone oh, yeah. getting your back yeah. for you. Okay. So what are some things that you've learned about yourself from being in multiple lyric productions? Well, I've gotten less afraid to let go Mm. you know some of the roles they're like you Mm -hmm. some of the roles are not like you and you just can't be afraid to show that other side of you and I think I was very reserved growing up and some of the stuff that I've been doing now I probably never would have done but the stage is safe yes and the people out there know you and Mm -hmm. they're there to support you so you can feel free to let go even if you have to smoke and drink and cuss yes. or be mean to small children. Okay. But, but when you've never done it before, like Odd Couple, you know, I did have those stage cigarettes and Odd Couple, but I'm supposed to light it. Well, stage oh. cigarettes already lit. So I'm like, mm-hmm. I can't do that because I have to math. And the sprinkler Felix system is, would go off. Well, and Felix is supposed to pretend like he's supposed to light it for oh. me and he breaks it, you know, whatever. So I, 
I had to go to Walmart and buy cigarettes. <laughs> and I'm like, first of all, I had to research. I had to research what types of cigarettes were available back in the 50, 60s, 50, 60s. Yeah. Because, you know, some of them weren't. So then I had to buy. And I'm like, okay, this is really weird. I'm having to buy cigarettes. I don't smoke. I've never smoked. I never wanted to smoke. And then I had to act like I knew what I was doing. <laughs> and, and I'm like, I got to practice this because it's not going to look natural. No. <laughs> Hopefully it came across natural, but it didn't feel natural. <laughs> I mean, it, you looked just fine. You probably looked better than I did trying because I was fumbling with mine and my stage cigarettes quit working. And I, <laughs> it's fun. It's, yeah. It's well, Matthew, I mean, I'm starting to light and Matthew has breaks it. So, I mean, that was, but still <laughs> it's like, how do you hold? I mean, I don't know. I don't know either. So yeah, trying some things that are not in your character. Yeah. Everybody in the audience is so glad it's you up and there and <laughs> not them. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and I like the fact that I can be somebody different. Yes. I mean, like playing, I don't know what her name was in Christmas Bells, but I mean, I was mean. I mean, I was ugly, you know, especially to Nick. And that's not you. No. Especially, ugly Jill can come out sometimes, but not often. <laughs> um, but to Nick Yeakley, I mean, mm -hmm. I was ugly to him. I know. And he and, was just the sweet little dope. Yeah. And I, that's not me. And that my students were like, wow. <laughs> not, not in real life. Nick is not as sweet. And no, his no, character no. was. No, his character was. And, but yeah, but he had the ultimate revenge. <laughs> yes, he did. Dragging me <laughs> Dragging across me the across stage in a wagon. <laughs> Wasn't mm. his like, tagline, I just love Christmas. <laughs> yes. That's all he, I just love Christmas. That's what he said all the time. We've talked about you and what you've learned about yourself. What are some things that you've learned about others or just about people in general through watching audience members, other cast members and lyric productions? I think we just want to have an outlet mm -hmm. and to help the community, make the community a little bit more vibrant, more, more culture. Yeah. Even when we do Beverly Hillbillies. <laughs> Gosh. We can add culture to the community. We can add culture to the community. <laughs> I mean, what is it? Eric was telling Paul that show sold out every single Mm -hmm. time and we added another show yeah and uh, it's still I remember sold out in the basement Stephen Haynes was uh marking a notch or on the yeah. on the one of the posts every night that we sold out uh-huh and it was it was kind of neat that was my first show and it was a sellout yeah you know we have to do the Beverly Hillbillies the mash the get smart the because those Gilligan's are fun. Island. people know those but I think we can do some other things that can bring some more culture and more culture and, and awareness yeah and that, I think so. That's more things more we, place. Yeah. Yeah. We talked about during Crimes of the Heart was because the major character, Babe, is a battered wife. Mm -hmm. And and that's some, not something that gets talked about a whole lot, I yeah. guess, especially in like small town theater. But it's a real issue. Plays and musicals can address things that maybe you can't in real life. Mm -hmm. It's a good segue for conversations. Yes. I went to see the revival of Oklahoma in um, New York in, Janu Ooh. in January, and it was Rodgers and Hammerstein lyrics, Rodgers and Hammerstein melody, and that's kind of where it stopped from the movie. That's right. And it was so different, but it made me think about it and talk about it, and wow, and I can't believe it was that way, but that was so powerful. Yeah. And the theater can do that. Yeah, because it wasn't the normal happy ending. No. It was a very were, grave ending. It was a very dark ending. And mm -hmm. um, yeah, and they were angry. And it was not a lighthearted thing at all. And the the person that went with me, um, Carrie, that went with me, she she did not like it. And it took me about a week to kind of process it all and figure out, okay, that was good. It wasn't the lighthearted, happy, 
things that it was in the 1950s with Roger Hammerstein, you know, the movie and stuff. But if you think about it, mm-hmm. the content is not happy content. Mm-mm. But in the movie, they had to play it happy. Yeah. And everything was A-OK and sunshine and roses and whatever. But it, really, if you think about what happened, I mean, the way they did the revival was probably more accurate. Yes. And I had to read something about it. I'm like, how did the Rogers and Hammerstein Foundation, the family members, handle this? Because it wasn't like what we think of Oklahoma. And they were very pleased with it, which kind of shocked me for a minute. And then I thought, well, I mean, they sucked. The, the, the words were the same. The melodies were the same. Orchestration, totally different. If you were going to persuade someone to participate in their first lyric production, what would you tell them? To go for it. Go for it. Go for it. Come try it out. I mean, Paul, what, I mean, he did um, some things in high school. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> he was the prince in Cinderella, and he didn't really audition for it, but he was chosen. <laughs> um, but we, when we did Fiddler, mm-hmm. you know, he, he just wanted me in the background. He was all from the bookseller, and he's, he's done about one a year, and he's kind of grown, but it's like, just try it. Just come do it. It's fun. I mean, and it's kind of a family thing. I mean, mm-hmm. he'll do one a year with me, but come out and try it. I mean, just be on the stage to be part of the family. I mean, even if you're in the background of the chorus and you're just like a party person. Yeah. Because if it's the same, you know, 20, 25 of us rotating through every lyric production, then they're all going to start looking the same. Yeah. So we need, we need new blood and we will be there to help you and support you and, you know, show you the ropes. I mean, Hey, you did. I did. Okay, so one of the things that Paul wants to have done is the guests or guests to read a role. There's a thing on Broadway called Miscast. I don't know if you've ever seen it. It's kind of like a community theater, and it's a fundraiser thing. And they get Broadway stars to come and sing and portray a role, a vignette, something that they will never be cast on. It could be the wrong gender. The wrong race, oh. the wrong age. So like I've seen um, Jeremy Jordan and Cheyenne Jackson seeing the 11 o'clock number from Sideshow, which are Siamese twin girls, <laughs> sing it together. Um, Jane Krasinski sang a boy's role in okay. like West Side Story because she will never be cast, you know? So yeah. what role are we going to do? Okay. So mm-hmm. our options are, oh, Steel Magnolias is a good one. What else do we have? Uh, we could be Felix and Oscar. I think Felix and Oscar would be funny. Felix and Oscar. All right. So now I've got to find the script. I need to be the neurotic one. So you want to be Felix? Yes. Okay. I think that we need to do the scene right before... Gwendolyn and Cecily come in. <laughs> so it's act two, scene two. Act two, scene two. Okay. You want to be Felix. I want to be Felix. Okay. Now I've got to find, hang on, I've got to find it. Well, let's start with what time do you think it is? What time? I don't know. 7.30? 7.30. Try 8 o'clock. All right. So it's 8 o'clock. So? So you said you'd be home at 7. Is that what I said? That's what you said. I will be home at 7 is what you said. Okay. So I said I'd be home at 7 and it's 8. So what's the problem? If you knew you were going to be late, why didn't you call me? 
I couldn't call you. I was busy. Too busy to pick up a phone? Where were you? Uh, I was at the, in the office working. <laughs> working. <laughs> yes, working. I called your office at 7 o'clock. You were gone. I couldn't get a cab. Since when do they have cabs at Hannigan's Bar? Wait a minute. I want to get this down on the tape recorder because no one will believe me. You mean now? I have to call you if I'm coming home late for dinner. Not any dinner. Just the ones I've been slaving over since 2 o'clock this afternoon to help you save money to pay your wife's alimony. Felix, this is no time to have a domestic quarrel. We've got two girls coming down any minute. You mean you told them you'd be here at 8 o'clock? Oh, I don't remember what I said. 7.30, 8 o'clock. What difference does it make? I'll tell you what difference. You told me they were coming at 7.30. You were to be here at 7 to help me with the hors d'oeuvres. At 7.30, they arrive and we have cocktails. At 8 o'clock, we have dinner. Now it's 8 o'clock. My London broil is finished. And if we don't eat it now, the whole darn thing will be dried out. Oh, God, help me. Never mind helping you tell him to save the meat because we've got $9.34 worth drying up in there right now. Can't you keep it warm? What do you think I am, the magic chef? I'm lucky I got it to come out at 8 o'clock. What am I going to do? I don't know. Keep pouring gravy on it. What gravy? Don't you have any gravy? Where in the heck do you think I'm going to get gravy at 8 o'clock? I thought it comes from when you cook the meat. When you cook the meat, you don't know the first thing about what you're talking about. <laughs> you have to make gravy. It doesn't come. Oh, you ask my advice. I'm giving it to you. Advice? You didn't know where the kitchen was till I came in here and showed you. You want to talk to me? Put down that spoon. Spoon, you dumb ignoramus. It's a ladle. Don't you even know what a ladle is? All right, Felix. Get a hold of yourself. You think it's so easy. Go on. The kitchen's all yours. Make a London broil for four people who come half an hour late. Listen to me. I'm arguing with him over gravy. Well, they're here. Our dinner guests. I'll get the saw and cut the meat. Stay where you are. I'm not taking the blame for this dinner. Who's blaming you? Who even cares about dinner? I care. I take pride in what I do. And you're going to explain to them exactly what happened. All right, you can take a Polaroid picture of me coming in at 8 o'clock. Now take off that stupid apron because I'm opening the door. Scene. <laughs> that, was that was kind of fun. Yeah. Elisa Hinton and I were Cecily and Gwendolyn. Y'all were awesome. Thank you. We didn't even come on until the second act. That was the scene right before we came on. So the whole first act, we're in the backstage. I'm just trying to get my hair as high as I could possibly get up. <laughs> and um, we'd be sitting there. And of course, you know, in the in the dressing room, you can hear what's going on on stage. So you mm -hmm. know your cue lines. So when you get ready to come on and stuff. So we're sitting there getting ready. I'm like, well, I've never heard that line before. <laughs> Where did that one come from? <laughs> They've never talked about that before. <laughs> I mean, the whole first act, it was like every night was a different blade. <laughs> I was like, wow, nobody said that before. That's kind of weird. They actually said that line right this time. Oh, so my goodness. We were having fun backstage listening to them because it was different every night. <laughs> I do appreciate that we have nice new dressing rooms as of three years ago. Yes. Um, because it's a good place to grade papers or work on a dissertation. Yeah. I turn, I can see them. It's been an interesting path that the lyric has taken. So it's been kind of fun to see it all the way through. Yeah. So it's been a, it's been a blast, and I hope it continues. Exactly. And hope we can do some more. I'm sure we will. But I'll admit, no man had fit. So how come I'm the mother of the year? And now, ladies and gentlemen, 
Here's Eric. I wanted to take this opportunity to make you aware of some things that are coming up here at the Lyric. Right now, we are in the process of tentatively scheduling some particular events into the fall. But with that being said, we wanted to make everyone uh, acutely aware of the fundraiser music program that we're going to be doing the first weekend in October. It's going to be a combination of all the different musicals that we have performed over the last 10 15 years here at the Lyric. Some of your favorites like music from The Wizard of Oz, music from Annie, uh, Cinderella, our very first musical we ever did here at the Lyric Performing Arts Company. So we'd love for y'all to be a part of that. You can find these tickets on our website. If you'd like to be part of the fundraising campaign, there's a $100 ticket on there that'll also get you a ticket to the show as well as a t-shirt. And so we'd love for you to be a part of this and uh, help support the lyric. You know, these particular times have been not the normal at all. Anyway, if you've got any questions, give us a phone call at the lyric, 325-600-4303. Or you could call my cell phone if you want to, 325-998-2801. You can go to our website, brownwoodlyrictheater.com. And you can find all this information there as well. Kind of give you some explanations. We're going to be doing all the good protocol things for social distancing and physical distancing, wearing masks, things like that, up until you get inside the theater and uh, seated. So we'd love to have you be a part of that. The show must go on. Just sit right back and you hear a tale, a tale of a fateful trip. Started from this tropic port aboard this tiny ship. The mate was a mighty sailing lad, the skipper brave and sure. Five passengers set sail that day for a three-hour tour. A three-hour tour. Thanks for listening to Waxing Lyrically. Sponsored by the one and only Teddy's Brew House in downtown Bronwood. If you enjoyed our podcast, why not share it with a friend? This is your announcer, Kurt Schneider, wishing all Brownwood Lyric Theater lovers a great day. See you next time. The ship set ground on the shore of this uncharted desert isle with you again.
Gilligan's Island.